What's up, everybody? It's Soren Baker here on Unique Access with Soren Baker. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast, share it with your friends. Be sure to tell them about it and get them on board so we can keep coming to you guys as often as possible. Now, today on Unique Access with Soren Baker, we have the honor and the privilege of being joined by RBX. RBX, of course, helped put Death Row Records on the map through his work with Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and also has just an amazing body of work on his own. So we talk a lot about his career here during this interview. We talk about him meeting Dr. Dre with Snoop Dogg, how the Lady of Rage dissed him, being disrespected at death row, and of course, celebrating Dr. Dre's genius. So without further ado, let's get into this interview. RBX on Unique Access with Soren Baker. What's up, everybody? Soren Baker here on Unique Access, and today we're joined by RBX. What up, y'all? Yes, thank you for coming through, sir. For sure. Always. Always a pleasure. You got to do it. And you know this. Yes, yes. So, RBX, man, you have been part of several of the biggest movements in rap history, and especially West Coast rap history. So, taking it back, Obviously, Snoop is your cousin and everything, and mm-hmm. you know, knowing Snoop for a long time, obviously. Uh, but, the, yeah. <laughs> but the thing I wanted you to talk about was what was the atmosphere of the pre-chronic two one three Snoop slash kind of that vibe that was going on? Because you weren't rapping at the time, right? Or you were about to start? I, in all honesty, I I've always been rapping. You, but okay. I, I didn't ever take it serious. Okay, that's the and and um, my primary focus at that time was football. I got to play the poly, mm-hmm. Long Beach Poly High. Got a scholarship, went to UNLV. So um, I was basically striving to make moms happy at that point. She wanted me to go to college and all that. I really wasn't feeling the college thing at at that time, but I had a scholarship and then I, I was told by some of my elders, hey man, you got a free ride to go to school, so that's what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. So then with that happening, I just, you know, uh, moved around and, and become, we began enlightening myself on, on different things and um, came home on one of those breaks when I wasn't supposed to come home. Okay. And uh, my cousin Tate Dog was telling me, he said, you know your cousin is rapping right now. Cause my cousin Tate stayed DJing. He mm-hmm. said, Snoop is rapping. I said, no. <laughs> what? He was like, he counted nice. I said, what he called himself? He said, Snoop Rockski. Hmm. I said, Snoop Rockski. Okay, we gotta talk to this cat. I don't know about the rock Steve, but we gonna go holler at him in. Um, Snoop was doing his thing, he was pulling it together. Then I knew Warren, you know, at that time I didn't know he his a connection with Dre. Okay. I didn't know none of that. I did I just knew these was the youngs, it's my little cousin, and Nate Dog. Nate Dog was not as young as Snoopy then, but these was my dogs and I knew I knew Nate can sing. But I didn't know he was that. Right, right. He really you know, and then we we were just like, okay, so, uh, and it seems that I wasn't there all the time because I had to go back to school. If Snoop would put something, he would just, it would just be an idea. Like, we gonna do this one day because we sound real good. Hmm. So when I came home for good, uh, the school thing was all done with all that, 
Snoop was uh, doing his thing, you know, running around acting wild. And every now and then we'll, we'll meet up at one of the spots and we'll have some 40s and smoke us some blunts or whatnot. And either one of the homies to get the bamming on something or had a, a beatbox and Nate pop off. And the whole thing, and I was, me and Nate was like, and I had that voice. Nate was like, you got that voice. And I was like, no, you got that voice. He's like, no, no, you got that voice. You've had some price. And I'm like, man, but you can sing. Right. So we, we kind of knew we had something, but it didn't all click until Warren uh, went and took the demo to Dre, and then they went and got Snoopy, and then Snoopy went up there, and then, then that, that all started happening, and I think Snoopy had already had joints with Nate. Mm. So when he started taking that to the fold, Dre heard like, well, damn, who's this? So that's that's new. Okay, well, who's that? Oh, that's Nate. Well, who's that monster? That's why I'm here. That's pretty much how that, that that all came about. And I took Snoop to go see Dre one day because he had a meeting. And that's when Dre heard me talking and was like, man, you got a voice like a radio announcer. Can you rap? And before I could say, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't trying to step on toes. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, you know, sometimes situations is just, you just stay in your lane. So I didn't, I didn't really tell him. I wasn't like, yeah, I rap on this to my demo. I didn't say none of that. So I just talked. He said, can you rap? It's like, as a matter of fact. Hmm? <laughs> Before I could say anything stupid, I already said, can he, man, can he? Snoop put it on Dre. was like, yeah, Dre, he's stupid, though. And Dre was like, uh-uh, let me hear something. I didn't really look the part. I mean, I wear glasses. I believe at that time, the glasses I had was broke. Okay. And this this arm had my glasses leaning kind of way. I look crazy, bro. Matter of fact, when I first met Rage, she she was like, oh my God. Dre was like, yup, I just signed him. He's gonna be with us, he's on the chronic. Ray's response was like, oh, I just think you just letting anybody on this record now. She didn't give me no love. What's up, Rage? She ain't give me no love. She was like, wow. I said, you want me to spit something for you? She said, no. And I'm okay. Fine. I didn't know how dope she was, though. Because wow. if I didn't know she was dope as she was, I might have not been popping. Okay. Yeah, Rage can, can get down. She can hold on, so... I guess we ended up from that on the two one three. Um, uh, Dre started working with Warren and Snoop. Mm -hmm. I took Snoop to meet Dre for a video. Dre hear my voice. I get pulled in the fold. Uh, then I started meeting Rage and some other, you know, folks that was gonna be part of the the nucleus that was the Chronic. It was kind of like the Terror Dome. At first it wasn't. At first it was nice and peaceful, but then Shug got a, a, a notion. He was like, well, if I'm gonna run with these cats, this is what he told Dre, if, if you sure these is the ones, then they gotta be the truth. Because mm -hmm. I ain't gonna be putting none of my money behind them cats that ain't the truth. So what we gonna do is, we gonna go and we gonna, we gonna, we gonna battle here and we gonna battle there. And I think we went to like uh, some of the projects. We were in 
Jordan Downs. Okay. I think we, they had a battle. They had it all set up. The, his own boy that was over there had a artist that was supposed to be battling the death row artist. Naturally, we ran through them. And then they set it up again. And pow, we beat them up again. And then they set it up again. And we beat them up again. And then they set something else up. And then we beat them up. But by this time, everybody was like, y'all, that, that's the unit right there. They the truth. And once that was all confirmed by Dre, it was like, my unit got, we didn't weather the test, they done ran, they done battled everything that wanted to battle them right here, the projects, whoever, the, whatever, and ain't, and, and, and nobody tucked their tail or, or waved or quivered or no nothing. Mm-hmm. So that's when we start putting the album together. Okay. And that's, that's how that happened. And then, so for you guys, obviously at this point, Dre's super accomplished, but he's also kind of starting from ground zero to a degree. But for you being around this environment, how did you see the level of what, you know, maybe Nate Snoop and Warren G were versus like what Dre was as far as how the interaction, uh, um, and for you, like how you fit I, into I, all of it? It was, I, I didn't really, I didn't really see Dre as this big superstar. After I met him and we was in the studio a few times, I, I actually was like, okay, that's my dog. Mm-hmm. I really didn't understand the dynamics of the business. Okay. I didn't. I was naive. I didn't understand that you know uh, how the structure of friendship lies and in, in, in business relationships versus your buddies. Mm. You, you, it's a, there's a difference. Business relationships versus your homeboys. There's different levels of all this. So once everything got put into perspective. Uh, I, I think I, I acclimated well to it. I just needed to know what, what I was dealing with. And, and he never really came off on nobody like no superstar. Okay. We already knew what he did. Right. And it's Dr. Dre. He don't got nothing to prove. We don't want to got to prove. So the, the, the pressure was on the MCs, the rappers, because we already know that's Dre. And then we had DLC. And you know DLC was like, you know, Dre don't lose, Jack. He gonna make these beats, and all y'all got to do is do your thing. And, and, and if your bars really wasn't up to par, DOC pretty much was like the coach. Yeah, he'll let you know. <laughs> That's some bullshit. <laughs> What's up, OC? So with that, when you guys, given Dre's pedigree and DOC's pedigree, when you were making it, what did you think as far as like, this could be bigger than NWA? It was going to be bigger than NWA? You never thought about any of that? Or you didn't even think it could come um, close? Once again, me being naive, I had no idea. I think I was sitting on, uh, I, we was, I was having a smoke once and, 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 and Doc pulled up and I'm talking to Doc and I say, man, Doc, I just listened to the record in its entirety, bro. I think it sounds pretty good. I think we might sell a million records. This is what I'm thinking. Right. Dre say, I mean, uh, uh, OC say, man, this Dr. Dre is probably going to walk out the front door with a million units attached to it. Okay. So I'm thinking, mega platinum? Like, 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 many millions? I never been on no record before at that time. Right. That's what so I'm saying. I had it's no crazy. idea. I had no idea. I couldn't fathom what he was speaking on, and it, it, it didn't dawn on me to what was going on till uh, one of my homegirls, she came and picked me out, you know. Things were still kind of tense at death row. The record was blowing up 
but the money was was weird. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I had a bunch of money at that time. Kind of depressed. And I said, the records come out, they still ain't paid us. This is some bullshit. And this before Doggy Style or after? This was, this was when The Chronic. Oh, this is just The Chronic. This okay. is The Chronic. This was before The Chronic came out. And um, um, so the homegirl said, okay, this, you need to get something out. You're depressed. I'm about to come get you. And we about to go to the beach. So we drive to the beach. And we're driving down. We, we're on our way to Venice Beach. And every car that we pull up on was playing The Chronic. Hmm. Oh, bro, I was... I was dumbfounded, man. I was like, what's going on here? Like, this ain't never happened to me before. And then I pull up on the car and I would hear, oh, hear me? that's me. I'm like, but don't nobody know it's in me. I'm in, right, a, right. I'm in, a, uh, I'm in the homegirl's pink uh, uh, Volkswagen Beetle and on the, on the passenger seat laid back, like, you know, she driving her thing thing and nobody knows it's me. And I'm sliding through all this sea of people and they bumping this shit and I'm like, man, that's, that's me, that's the homies. Right. So it was extra, extra surreal. Didn't really click in till I was watching MTV and I think the old VJ Kurt Loader. Okay. He was Kurt was talking and he was like, man, and he's well it was just this record, this woo 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 woo. But I'm thinking, I'm listening, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And it's called the chronic, and I'm like, oh <laughs> that that that's us, bro. You know, you're talking about the chronic and uh he said, this is this is this record is a whirlwind. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, maybe DLC was right, maybe it might be more. The thing I always thought was interesting about the chronic too was that it, you know, above the law, and other people had used like the funk elements mm-hmm. in the same way or similar ways than what was used on the chronic. Mm-hmm. But what was different to me was that was the first gangster rap record that I heard that I remember thinking that it was people thought it was cool to listen to. Like mm-hmm. they were afraid of Schoolie D or Ice-T or mm-hmm. N.W.A. or even Ice Cube, but they were not, like Snoop and Dre, how they presented their vocals and even the videos, it made it like inviting by comparison. I think uh, that, that that probably was all be the genius of Dr. Dre. That, that, okay. that came from him. He knew what he was doing through trial and error. Okay. To the the NWA situ, you know, situation. All the ruthless. All the everything, Even ev- everything, everything that he done, right? All that, everything he built from all of that. The the slight bit of glamour, the 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 slight bit of gangster, the slight bit of music, the slight mm-hmm. bit of everything, and then wrap it all up and make everybody like it. Mm-hmm. That's magical. You can't really do that. Right. A lot of people can't really do that, you know. So uh, I think it was a combination of the time that we were in, the era, and uh, the music coming off with a with a with a with a real swanky slap, but them hard, cutting edge lyrics sitting on top of them. Mm-hmm. And as something that you did uh, later in your career with RBX Files and elsewhere, but on The Chronic, the day the brothers took over, for instance, with that record, um, I always thought it was interesting that there was the social commentary on that record. It's not dominant, it doesn't dominate it, but it's on there. And and then obviously you've incorporated some of that (laughs) into your own music throughout the years. So for you, why do you think 
like that record in particular or some of the messages that were you know enlightening or empowering or just awareness why don't you think people more gravitated to that as far as the chronic um i think sometimes when you learn some things and if you learn too much too fast you you spew it out too strong before you learn how to harness your power and put it into a situation where it's not so threatening and it doesn't really put another group of people off. You know what I mean? I think that record, when I did that record, I was just in my infancy stage of getting my, my mind right. Okay. So a lot of things that I was hearing, I probably should have digested a little bit more and kind of figured out a different way to kind of put it out. Some of the stuff is right on. I mean, you just can't change it. But some of the stuff could have been corrected. Uh, at that time, I didn't know what I was doing. Hmm. Okay. I just knew I could rap and I knew I had been around Dre and I just was going by the stuff that I, I'm, I'm college educated so I'm, I'm pulling my fillers together to try to get this done because it's me against the world. I mean, I still had Snoop and all these was with my loved ones, but they doing their thing and they were death row and I'm over here by myself. Right. So I got to figure this thing out. So that record was me trying to figure it out hmm. and, and, and but not compromise myself. And that being said, how did you at the time, because I remember somewhat of a parallel thing, but when, when Cube left, everybody thought he was crazy and then he ended up being bigger than he was with NWA. So for you with the success that Death Row was having, what made you feel comfortable to be like, look, I'm gonna walk away from it? I, I really couldn't say I was comfortable. I could have. Well, you were, that you actually did it. How about that? Yeah, the, um, it took, I didn't realize it at the time, like I said, man, I hate to keep saying naive, but I was a young dude at the time. Mm -hmm. and, it was, and I didn't know the repercussions of a lot of stuff. I just did it because I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I was just thinking like this. I'm not gonna be nowhere in no situation ever where somebody's gonna be talking to me crazy and disrespecting me. And, and if I gotta sit and watch you disrespect me and, and, and uh, my loved ones and people that might come in to work with us, I can't just sit around and, 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 and do that. So if it might be worth a whole bunch, but my soul is not for sale. So I'm going to have to pass on your offer because I'm not with all you doing. So I'm going to show you my rebel side and move around. If you got a problem with it, you come on get me. And that's where I was at. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't really tripping. It kind of hurt me financially, but hey, man, we all right. We're going to be all right. And then obviously you came back and have done like lots of work with Snoop over the years. Yeah. And then um, one of the records that I always liked uh, was the Remember Me that you did with Eminem and Sticky Fingers. Yeah. Obviously that was on the Marshall Mathers LP. So with that song in particular, you know, what was it like with the environment of M being as big as he was at the time, Dr. Dre now even bigger than he was during the chronic era? And, and it did not, oh man, it did, it, 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 I wasn't starstruck. I wasn't, uh, it wasn't, it was just think, okay, M called me, okay, that's what's up. Um, actually, I got the call from Dre. Okay. Dre was like, yo, I'm working on some things, man. You know, uh, 
I need you and Sticky Fingers to pop off. I'm like, okay, so what's happening? He said, pull up at the studio. Mm -hmm. So uh, me and my, my girl, Nettie Bird, we pull up at the spot, yada, yada. What's happening? He gave me the rundown, the spiel. I just go in there. I had something already that I was just in my head mm -hmm. that was really meant for nothing, just just bars. I do that all the time, just additional bars, like a, a, a rhyme bank. Okay. So I checked into the rhyme bank real quick and was like, oh, okay. And make a withdrawal. <laughs> dun, 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 and then the rest is history. I would have stayed and my bars would have been longer, but I was, like I said, with Lil Mama, and I forgot what she was on me about, but we had to be there right. in a few hours, and I had already done my work. Hmm. But I, I could have put some extras. So, so that being said, as a writer, you know, this is coming up on a decade after, you know, getting in the game on a major scale. So how would you say working on Remember Me, you had evolved as a writer at that point? Like how had you improved like your performance on the mic, how you crafted uh, Well, you know, when, you, when you're dealing with, you know, a, a great producer like Dre, mm -hmm. you kind of get walked through the fire. Okay. After you get walked through the fire, you pretty much certify. If, if you can't take what you've learned from that experience to your next experience, then something's wrong with you. It's on you. Right. And you'll go in the studio with that cat, and you might do the verse perfect the first time, but you're not. <laughs> Usually it don't happen. Mm -hmm. He won't let you out. He'll be like, now nah, do it again, just like that. Only joint that I did one take and I was not able to go back in and redo and retouch was high power. Mm. Okay. I tried to, like, Dre, let me go knock that out one more time. He was like, buddy, <laughs> cancel Christmas. You're not going back in the booth. I said, man, come on, man. You serious? He said, I'm dead serious. You're not touching that. Okay. That's the one. Mm. So, but most of the time, that's not the case. And you probably gonna do it a few times, up to 15 times, right. until you get that one, 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 like that one. So with that, you learn to get your shit together. So when you, with that, when I approach it now, I know how to do it while you're not on the mic, so that when you do hit the mic, it's this. Mm -hmm. And that's not full from the situation. And now you're working on RBX Files too? Mm-hmm. All right, so what's the, why part two after such a long time now more than a decade later what why bring that back now i had embarked on something and that's what i, I wanted to you know kind of bring that back um uh in between time i was taking care of grandma she passed and to take care of my nettie bird she passed mm. so i was mourning and mm. i didn't know that i was okay so it was it was actually you know kind of mixed it in interfering with my creativeness because I just wasn't so a lot of people was like oh he fell oh he fell off and yada yada no I wasn't I was focused on other things right. besides rap the you were living I, life <laughs> that, and it was hitting me right. and I chose X-Files 2 because I felt like um, I didn't really get to do what I was supposed to do being enthralled in all the, the drama from Warner Brothers and in in uh, Death Row and whatnot, so I thought, okay, this is this is a perfect opportunity for me to to get back doing what I do. Number one, and plus two, on the business side of things, this is something people are already familiar with. 
how I'm gonna release it, yeah, I don't know just yet. But you, you, you get win. Well, there it is, y'all. Well, appreciate it, RBX. Thank you for coming through, sir. Always a pleasure. Going. RBX. So hey, y'all. Yes, sir. Unique access, y'all. All right, well, thanks for tuning in to Unique Access with Soren Baker. I appreciate your guys' support. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and however you guys checked out this episode of Unique Access with Soren Baker. Also, if you haven't already, please pick up the copies of my two most recent books, The History of Gangster Rap and The Gucci Man Guide to Greatness with Gucci Man. You can find both of those books on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at the independent bookstore near you. And of course, you could also check them out at your library. And if any of those places don't have them, please request them. And most importantly, thank you so much for listening to Unique Access with Soren Baker, however you listen to us. And please subscribe so we get into your feed. Hit us with that like and hit us with the five stars, 10 stars, 100 stars, whatever's the highest they got on this platform. But we appreciate your guys' support and look forward to you checking us out on the next episode. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.